Hi, my name's Julian Stodd, and today I want to talk about conversation versus space in social communities. A space is a place that we have a conversation in, but a conversation isn't the same thing as a space. It's like building a new village. You can put up houses, you can put in a market square, you can put in shops and a school, but if nobody moves into it, it's just an empty space. When people do move into it, they have conversations as they walk between the pub and the church and home again. The conversation is independent of the space itself. And that's very true within organisations. We often see that people buy technology to provide a space for conversations to happen in. They buy technology to help people to collaborate. But we shouldn't mistake that for thinking that space equals the conversation. Conversation is actually very disloyal. We take a conversation and we move it between multiple different spaces. So maybe we start talking in person and then switch to email. Perhaps we move over to WhatsApp or Yammer or Facebook Messenger. We can move our conversation between many different spaces as we like because conversation is very democratised. So that's perhaps the first thing to think about. What spaces do we have in our organisation? But where do conversations take place? Then we can think about the formality of the space. So spaces that are provided by an organisation are often inherently quite formal. They're owned and controlled. In fact, a key aspect is that consequence can be applied in those spaces. If you say something that the organisation doesn't like, maybe you'll be sanctioned in some way. Conversations in formal spaces are often very permanent as well. So you might say something today, whilst you're thinking or learning about things, and then think, well, I no longer think that. I want to change the thing which I think. But if it's in a formal space, it can sometimes be captured and memorialised forever. In social spaces, we have much more control over whether we can remove the conversation, whether we can delete it. So for sure, people get caught out by conversations that persist in social spaces. But generally, we have more ownership and control over that permanence. Often, we find that the people who have access to a conversation will influence which direction the conversation goes in. So if we have people in senior positions taking part in conversations, it can limit people, it can cause some people to hold back on what they would say. Or conversely, it might mean that some people don't exercise enough restraint. They expose themselves to risk because they share too many honest thoughts about what they feel. So as social leaders, when we're thinking about social capital, we have to think about not only how do we help people to engage in the right conversations, in the right spaces, but also sometimes we have to think about how do we encourage people to share less, to hold back from certain conversations in certain spaces. So perhaps we should think about this when we're thinking about communities. What space do we have within our organisation? What conversations take place? How do those conversations move between different spaces? Who has visibility of them? Who controls the rules? Who decides how sanction can be applied? Who decides the permanence of those conversations? By considering all of these different aspects, we'll be better placed to create safe spaces for conversations to take place. So we'll be winning, not if we create a neat and tidy space, not if we build that perfect village. We'll be winning when people are having amazing conversations, when they're moving through all the different buildings of that village. 
when some of those conversations are private and out of earshot, and some of them are shared with us generously, that's when we'll really be gaining access to the knowledge, that tacit tribal knowledge generated in social spaces.